Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Chasing Light, and the second episode of season four is about to start right now. What's up, my beautiful sisters, my handsome brothers out there? Thank you so much for joining our couch today as we get into part two of our first episode of the new season. Now, y'all know who it is. Your girl, me, yes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, I'm Embrace. That's M, capital M, capital B, Race, aka Shantae M. King. And as always, I'm joined by two of my favorite people who I know y'all would want to meet in person and get their autograph. Because if you listen to any of our episodes, you know they are super dope. Complex Simplicity and Trisha Alicia. Yo, yo, you're. What's up, girls? <laughs> Beautiful women. What's up? <laughs> well, so I'm glad to be here, um, as always. Um, like I said, this is part two of our first episode. You our know, first topic. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get a chance to really get all, 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 all of what we wanted to say out. So we just wanted to continue that um, episode just to kind of get all of our thoughts out. You know what I'm saying? Um, first of all, this is the month of Can love, I say right? This real quick. Absolutely. Go ahead. If you did not listen to part one, I admonish you, which is a fancy word to say, (laughs) press pause on this one, go back, listen to episode one of this topic, and then a lot of what we're doing in this episode, it's going to make sense why we put it in part two. So go back, listen, if you're listening on any modern podcast app it will save your progress so you don't even have to worry about the timestamp. go back listen come back and the episode is called fishing for men this is about discipleship y'all <laughs> about discipleship y'all it's about discipleship but anyways um like i was saying this is a month of love it's february already and i remember in the last episode we were talking complex simplicity was talking about how she I don't know exactly how she said it, but she was talking about how she loved to see when new Christians first get that awe or that love or that zeal for God when they first are introduced to him in an intimate way. And I just love it, too. I mean, that's a beautiful thing, right? It's a beautiful beautiful thing. thing. And then... Our Trisha Alicia, our wonderful singer in the podcast, if you didn't know, um, she wrapped up our last episode, The Night Light. She talked about being courageous and being more like Christ. I don't want to give it all away because, you know, we want you to go check it out. So hopefully you've already left this episode and now you're back. Anyway, (laughs) now for this episode, I really wanted to get to every topic if we possibly can. So uh, hopefully we won't spend too much time on each topic. Kales, how you doing today? I I'm mean, doing- complex simplicity. <laughs> you know, y'all you know, know her, y'all know who she is. How you y'all doing Y'all know Kales is synonymous with complex simplicity. We already, we know, we know. Um, How am I doing? I'm doing, I'm doing good. You know, it's, it's, you know, life is lifing. I don't have no other way to life explain it at this point, but you know, <laughs> all I will say is that, okay. um, my confession is that it, it will be well. And that's what I'm that's what I'm confessing and that's what I'm maintaining. That's what I'm holding on to. So that's real. We don't want to put on facades. That's just keeping it real. Amen. I appreciate that. All right. So like we're gonna just jump in real quick. 
Um, I want to examine for a second the church's structure, like basically how it's set up. In most people's eyes, it's set up for Christians or for insiders or for the people that go all the time versus the people that we're trying to grasp or trying to um, win over. What are y'all's thoughts on the structure of the church? You know, we have, I'm just going to give one example, just one, and then I'm going to let y'all talk. But um, let's think about the long church announcements in the beginning of service or any time of the service. Typically, that is going to be for people who come. I mean, of course, you want other people to come to stuff. But if you're talking about a council meeting or this type of meeting or the usher board meeting or the pew member meeting, that doesn't, doesn't really exist. But I'm just saying um, that's typically for the insider person. So that's just one example that I wanted to give. But what what are y'all thoughts on this the setup or the structure when it as it relates to us trying to actually win souls but you know the church might not be quite conducive for that I mean in some people's eyes what are you what are your thoughts I'll jump in it's challenging because you want to serve the people who come you want to be a palatable environment for their growth but if the goal is to win the lost then I think there has to be distinct effort placed on the lost who hopefully are coming. Obviously there are inherent flaws when you have things that are geared toward people that are there, right? And not geared toward first time guests. You think about mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A, right? Like the when you go to Chick-fil-A, whether you're a regular or not, they're treating you as though you're a very valued customer, a very valued guest every time you come. And so to me, I think about even the physical structure of the church can sometimes be very off-putting. I'm not suggesting that, you know, if your church structure is contemporary, it's a very bad thing, Structure, but structures do matter. There are whole discourses and degrees that look at how structures impact our ability or hinder our ability to connect as human beings. And I knew of a church plant that was in New York City and they used to meet at former bar and club and coffee shop sites because people had so much trouble with the actual physical building of a church. So that is an example to me of being outsider oriented when you take into consideration deep consideration what implications your structure may have on the person that you're trying to compel to come in the building i think some people some church people or some people that are you know christians or whatnot um i feel like a lot of the older ones maybe maybe look at that as maybe conforming or trying to, you know, I'm gonna just take music, for example. I've heard some people say in the church that, you know, we shouldn't, that music sounds too secular. Like, you know, it might be a Christian song and it it may be a little bit more, I I don't know, for lack of better words, a little hip hoppy, hip hoppy. That's not a word, but you know what I'm trying to say. And it may be something that's for children or to reach a certain group of people, but, um, I find that some Christians may look at that as the church conforming to the world. No, what do you, you know, what do you think? I think it's, it's, first of all, it's, everything is preference, right? Everything is personal preference. So like, I know when you're moving into like a new city or a new town or, you know, and you're trying to find some place to go, 
Um, if you even have the urge to go to church, it's just like, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to go for, and typically people go for one service. And if you got a guest pastor that day and that's not the way your service normally runs, then too bad. You missed that one. You too know, bad, so sad. Exactly. Not it's like, oh, back. not going back there. <laughs> um, and I say that and real quick detour, remind me what I was talking about before, cause I might forget, but real, real quick detour. I remember my mother was going to this one church and, uh, I love you mom, but, uh, she invited us like friends and family day. And so we get there. And I'm with this guy I'm dating at the time and we're sitting in the audience and mind you, I've never been here before. And the guy is literally teaching and he just kind of sidesteps his lesson and be like, uh, if you believe in this, then you're going to hell. If you believe in this, then you're going to hell. If you believe in Buddha, then you're going to hell. If you believe it. And I was just like, oh my God, like, okay. Um, I don't believe in any of those people, but I'm going to go. Um, I'm not going to sit through the rest of the service. Like it was just very off putting. And my mom was very embarrassed. And she was like, that's not our pastor. Like, this is not how our church normally goes. And I was like, but mom, I never want to come back here. Um, and so it's always just going to be like that, that memory of like the first time, like she begged me for a long time to go back. And I eventually went back again. It was, it was better, but you know, I just can imagine if somebody didn't believe in God, the shell shock they would have by experiencing that as their first experience going to a church. Um, so like back to the music thing though, I'm glad I remembered. Um, but like, it's, it's all preference. Yay. So if I, I know, right. <laughs> so <laughs> if I, um, if I already like hip hoppy music, then I'm going to enjoy that type <laughs> of worship. If I like the old yeah. Baptist, from the good grandma, grandma saying this song, you know, like that, that's is what's going to attract me to praise and worship. Um, I think at some point though, uh, regardless of, of what, of how the music sound, you have to identify with the words that's being sung, sang, sung, sang, <laughs> the words that are being said. <laughs> you have to identify with, we understand. With, I was like, what is, it? you have to identify with the words. And so even sometimes yeah. like, I hear people say like, well, I don't like praise and worship because that person can't sing. Bro, get over yourself, mm. get over them, close your eyes and you confess the song for yourself then. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's just like, you're not, they're not there to put on a show. You know, they're there mm -hmm. to, to praise God. So, I mean, you, it might not be the most palatable for you, but close your eyes, do whatever you got to do to get out of what's going on around you and just focus on you saying those words and meaning them when you confess them to God. And I'll put a bow on it by saying this. When Jesus came, he disrupted the structure. He was totally different than the rabbinical culture of the time, the Pharisee culture, the Pharisaical culture at the time, the um, the Sadducees. He was different than all of these people. And they had such a problem with him. But mm -hmm. what he did was he married what they read with what needed to happen in people's lives. And God says, if I be lifted up, then I'll draw all men. The methodology, the methodology may change, but the message is still the same. So I think when we get caught up in the music or we get caught up in the arguments about the presentation, sometimes we forget that there's a bigger message behind it. And then last thing is God says that there are, um, different administrations to the gifts that he gives us. And so that means that basically we all have different ways that our platforms are going to reach people. And mm -hmm. so if your platform or your church is not, um, up to the times, if you're not trying to reach that group of people, then there may be a people group that you're assigned to. But I think the goal 
for every church should be to reach the lost. God said, go into all the nations. And these mm-hmm. people didn't have cars. They didn't have uh, anything other than I think four-legged animals and that swift, <laughs> swift two feet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, boats, of course, boats. But <laughs> after beyond knowing that, they had, a, they had a call on their life to go and reach people and to share the gospel with them. And I think when we get into the arguments about that church is doing it wrong, we miss the fact that we're supposed to be oriented to the outsider. And we shouldn't, I mean, I'm gonna just say this and I'm gonna get off of it. When we say, is there one Like that's bothersome to me because I feel like God's message is so attractive. I'm not saying that, you know, people are going to be running into the church from the outside during the days of tent revival. Although I would argue that if there were more signs and wonders, they would. But when we say, is there one, it's like, oh my gosh, there should be exponential impact in the kingdom because that's how God operates. But I'm going to be done by saying, I think (laughs) when we get into these debates, um, it's so challenging for the population that we're supposed to reach for us to be effective in reaching them because we're looking at somebody else's administration or their ministry or the way that they're operating and tearing it down instead Mm -hmm. of saying, you know what, how can I be more effective Mm -hmm. in sharing the gospel outside of the four walls and the people who always come here? I think it's a good place to talk about, you know, people mocking the church. Um, and it may be for some of the reasons that we've talked about, but I know a lot of people look at church as um, just a bunch of hypocrites or a bunch of phonies or people preaching stuff they're not walking. Obviously, the same thing. But, um, you know, some people are just like flat out. I'm not coming. I'm not going. I don't do those things. I don't go to those places. It's just I think so. I think that. With uh, the mockery of the church, number one, a lot of the the hypocritical feelings, um, well, I'm going to state my opinion, obviously, um, but a lot of the hypocritical feelings comes from uh, us placing, I guess, people of faith on pedestals. Um, uh, It could come from feeling like, okay, well, this person holds this position or title and so that they're obligated to do a certain thing or live a certain way. Um, But I think um, some of it too comes with people preaching they live a certain way and then their life not reflecting what they say Mm, they live and it's like bro you're not perfect like i'm human you're human like we make mistakes we're gonna err like but it's just like don't try to cover it up the covering up is what always gets people it's like if the and that's why it's like a scandal right it's like if i this would have happened i'd have just been like yo i messed up what happened blah 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 you know then it's really uh, opportunity for you to show like not only the forgiveness process of you forgiving yourself but knowing that God doesn't hold grudges that you can ask for forgiveness and God will forgive you you know what I'm saying and so it was just like mm-hmm. it, that's a, a great time for a testimony or to be an example but we constantly try to sweep stuff under the rug and hide it so that people can't see and then when it's exposed now you look really bad um mm-hmm. And I think, uh, like, you know, we've talked before about seeing our parents in situations that didn't look the same as what they said they did or how they said we should live. And I think that's really cast a, um, kind of almost like a stigma on some areas of Christianity. I know, like, in my personal life, there's some things that I always grew up like, this is this and this is this. And it's like, now that I'm getting to walk out my own life, I struggle with those things a little bit because it's just like, number one, that's not what the Bible say. And number two, like... 
I gotta live my life the way I'ma live it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, um, but at the same time, it's like I I, I follow a God who set out a set of instructions, and I'm I'm meant to follow those set of instructions. And so it's really where you have to kind of draw the line between like, am I really just gonna am I really gonna be who I say I am? And can I stick to that in times where it feels like I don't want to be that person? I'll tag in and say. I loved what you said about putting people of faith on pedestals. The other thing is we're all real people and we have to make a decision to serve God for real, which means, yes, I'm flawed. So I have to accept grace and mercy for myself. I have to reject shame and condemnation, but to what was given to me, I have to give it to others. I think a lot of people in the faith look for opportunities to be perfect instead of showing their humanity, which means when you see a person who falls into a scandal or who falls into shame or who falls from quote unquote grace, especially in our cancel culture environment, it's an opportunity for us to give the same thing that we got, which is number one, a whole lot of prayer because you don't really know what the situation was. You don't, you just don't know. Even though the details may have come out, you may feel like, well, I knew him or her and she was cat raggedy back then. And no, you don't know the details. And furthermore, why would, why do you want to know? That's like, that's a, that's a self issue. That's <laughs> yeah. a self issue. Why do you want to know the details mm-hmm. of somebody's fall? Like for real. Thrive on that stuff. That's a problem. It is like, a problem. The fact that you are feeling good because somebody else failed means that there is a character flaw. So I think as as people who are striving to be better, as people who are striving to live more like Christ or even just live better lives, period, whether you believe in karma, whether you believe in Christ, whether you just believe that I want to put the good vibes out and get the good energy back. Like you can't, you can't take joy in that. And so there has to be some sort of mechanism, which God provides. He provides us grace. He provides us mercy, um, to be able to give that to that individual and then to pray that they are restored first in their faith. Cause public, public humility, being publicly humiliated is hard. It's hard on anybody's psychology. So, um, to to wrap up what I'm saying, I think, you know, we have to remember that we're real people and we also have to remember that our witnesses are real. And so if we give the same thing that God gave us, I think in a ripple effect, butterfly effect sort of way, we can start to impact some of these psychologies that are out there about people being hypocrites and people uh, not wanting to come to church until they quote unquote have their life together. Mm. We can start to dismantle those things and say, it's not about that. It's about being real and to have real progression. It's progress over progression. It's Mm. always progress over progression. Perfection. Progress over perfection. I was it like, is always uh, um. progress over perfection. Excuse me. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of the same. Um, I just wanted to throw these two scriptures out. Um, because of what you just said, it just reminded me of it. So I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. However, <laughs> in Proverbs 17, and I'm reading NLT, um, it says, those who mock the poor insult their maker. But this is the part that reminded me of what you said those who rejoice at the misfortune of others will be punished and then also 
Uh, where is that other one I'm thinking of Galatians 6 and 7 do not be deceived God is not mocked like when you mock God's people you're really mocking him I mean you may or may not realize that especially the man of God or the woman of God the person who's bringing forth the word but um, when you're mocking his children because we're all his children but when you're mocking his children you're mocking him and it says for whatever one sows that will he also reap so if you're sowing like what seed are you sowing are you sowing a seed of life or death out of your tongue out of your mouth on people and just be careful um another thing i wanted to piggyback on this is kind of a personal testimony um in a general state in a general sense um about when you said people want to come to get come to church when they have everything together like let me get my life together before i come to church Mm-mm, girl i got too much going on right now let me get it together let me listen We've talked about this a little bit before, too, about the church being a hospital. And I'm going to speak on myself. There has been some times in my life. Now, I still have mess ups. Don't get it twisted. Like, um, you know, I have to ask for forgiveness on a daily. But there has been some times in my life where I, if I were, if, if you were me, you'd be like, Mm-mm, girl, you better don't step foot in that church, girl. Do not step <laughs> foot in that church. But let me tell you, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And how do we hear the word of God? But by a preacher or a teacher. Um, So the more I listened to the word of God, the more I was around God's people. You know, God says, don't forsake this assembling of yourselves, which just means, you know, come into the church house or to the, you know, what other people that are believers and worshiping I don't want to just say to the church house I mean it could be outside in the tent like Trisha was talking about earlier but being under the word being around other believers um that's what encouraged my soul that's what helped me take the steps to get to where I needed to be I'm still striving to be even better than where I am now but if you looked at my life maybe seven years ago and you look at me now you'd be like Girl, y'all not the same person. So I appreciate the transformation. The transformation is happening constantly. Like I said, listening to the word, reading the word, studying the word for myself, prayer, people praying for me, me praying for myself. But yeah, I just don't want y'all to think that everybody in that church house got it together because it is a hospital. That's all I wanted to say about that. That's good. And I'm a tag in right before nightlight i know Mm -hmm. it's probably coming up yes um i want to just mention a couple of famous converts so there was a teenage boy who basically went to church because he had to but in his mind church was only for old people crazy men effeminate men and crazy women like that was his (laughs) definition and He sat in the back with his friends uh, and then the speaker said something and his heart was touched. And from that service, his whole life was changed. And his name is Billy Graham. Tony Evans, who's another famous minister, he got saved after seeing his dad get saved. So he has told the story many times that his Home life was super chaotic. He felt like they were on the brink of divorce. After his dad got saved, his mom said she liked her husband even less and tried to start even more arguments with him just to make his life more miserable. And after just showing her love on love on love, she became a Christian. So 
Tony Evans watching the transformation that happened in his home challenged him to become a Christian and he started following Christ and he's discipled so many people. Um, To take it back to the Bible, there's an apostle by the name of Andrew. We don't even really know much about him, but he witnessed Jesus get baptized. And then he went and told his brother, like, listen, I think this is something you need to be aware of. And his brother started following Jesus too. And we know him. We know a lot about him. His brother's name is Peter. And most people who've read the Bible have heard about the apostle Peter. And then the last person I'll mention is um, D.L. Moody. He has a theological institution in Chicago. A lot of your uh, famous preachers and theologians came through that institute, but he only went to church because it was a condition of his job. Mm. But he saw the preacher preach while he was there one day. And then the preacher came to his work and was like, hey, I noticed you and led him to Christ, like in the back of the shop room. So I'm saying all of these things to say that one, what Embrace said is true. Like everybody who's at church, because most of these people save Tony Evans, they were at church or in a Christian environment, actively not believing, actively just there. And in Billy Graham's case, he was mocking (laughs) what was going Mm -hmm. on. So everybody is qualified to get the help and Mm -hmm. you never know who you'll become, but you do got to take that first step. Amen to the first step. Take that first step. (laughs) Right. That was good. That was good. Just like she said um, about Tony Evans's wife. It was Tony Evans' wife or his mom. His mom. mom. Yeah, his mom. How his dad had to love her, love on her. God is love, y'all. And sometimes we do have to just love on people. It may be difficult sometimes when we, everybody's not so lovable, but God loves us all. So there is a way to love the <laughs> what seems to be unlovable so <laughs> that's one way to disciple too. love them to christ well. <laughs> love them to christ and now i think we're ready for nightlight are we ready for nightlight ladies yeah i'm ready yeah so our nightlight is going to be um presented by none other than trisha alicia by way of complex simplicity oh <laughs> <laughs> I was so confident. Pass the mic. I mean, mean, right? Pass the mic, just like in church. There's been a change to the program. No, that was like that was like the Temptations. Y'all see the Temptations? Uh, Your boy was about to sing. Ain't nobody coming to see you. Otis took his mic. My bad. My bad. I ain't mean to do that. (laughs) Okay, y'all. Our nightlight is gonna be presented by none other than my friend. Complex simplicity. Okay. All right, y'all. Sell it on down. So um, I don't have anything deep or profound for nightlight, but I do want to leave you with three things that I have learned about discipleship. Number one. And okay, we're like nerdy and brainy and artsy at the same time. So number one, discipleship is the art and science of helping people find, follow, and fully become like Jesus. And in order to be a like a great person of like discipleship, you have to have a love for people to be a fisherman. Like everybody's not going to think like you. Everybody's not going to talk like you. Everybody's not going to walk like you. So you have to learn to love outside of the things that are comfortable for you. Okay. Number two, 
discipleship is not about the work we get to do for God, but really the work that God is doing in and through us so that we can reach the people that need to be reached. There are moments where you will literally have to ask God to speak to you because you don't have the answers to everything. And that's okay. It is in those moments that you show the person that you're trying to reach that you don't have it all together, that sometimes you need help. And that sometimes you have to call on something outside of yourself for you to be able to um, gather that information or just to do better or just to, just to live. And number three, discipleship is inconvenient. Okay. It is in those moments where you don't want to be bothered, where you don't want to have company, or you've already had plans that you are called to make yourself available to the people around you who need assistance. And it's in those moments where you have to make a decision on whether you're going to do what you want to do, or you're going to be fully committed to discipleship. And that's not like. Mm, two snaps in a circle i don't know why i'm stuck on that y'all but (laughs) i love it it was very profound simple yet profound Mm -hmm. complex simplicity baby (laughs) all right so whether you glitter glow glow, illuminate or shine (laughs) keep chasing the light all right peace hugs and hugs (laughs) y'all we love y'all Thank you for listening to another episode of Chasing Light. Today's episode was brought to you by the Chasing Light team with research done by Trisha Alicia, music done by Brozar, editing done by Shantae M. King, and it was hosted by the lovely Complex Simplicity, Embrace, and Trisha Alicia. Until next time, shine bright, you light chasers.